Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. I'm pleased to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got a festive item indeed. If you'll take a look over here at this, it is a vintage animatronic Santa. Yes, these were popular throughout the 60s, 70s, even on into the 80s. Uh, many people decorated their homes with these animatronic delights as this Santa waves high to the kiddies. <laughs> Now, this animatronic Santa doesn't cut a very imposing figure, only about uh, two, two and a half feet high. But what if a larger animatronic Santa were filled with some sort of holiday wickedness? What then might a person do? And that is at the heart of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Shudder original, Christmas Bloody Christmas. So Christmas Bloody Christmas was a new Shutter original that released uh, this past Friday, December the 9th. It actually also had a limited theatrical release, but uh, most of us, like like me, it wasn't on any theaters near me. So I watched it on Shutter, And just from the artwork, I never saw a trailer for it, but just from the artwork from this, the, the movie poster, if you will, I thought, oh, this looks captivating. The poster just is very striking. And I thought, okay, I'm going to watch this. I, I love horror movies, but holiday horror movies, Christmas, we get a glut of holiday horror movies from that. So it's always fun to check out the latest iteration of some sort of holiday horror fair. So I was quite excited to see this. And when I watched it, it's one of those movies that as I watched it, I found myself liking it, but still had issue with some things. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about my thoughts and feelings on the movie overall. I am going to warn you right away. We're going to have some spoilers. So if you listen to this, you're going to have things spoiled for you. We are going to talk about this movie. And we're going to talk about some of the main plot points. We're going to talk about some of the main, I can't say reveals, but things that happen to characters, the fates of characters. So if you don't mind things being spoiled for you and you're like, ah, I don't care. I'm going to watch it anyway. Then, you know, we're going to proceed. But if you don't want anything spoiled for you, I encourage you to go watch Christmas Bloody Christmas and then come back and, and we'll compare and contrast notes. So this is a movie that was written and directed by Joe Bagos. He's a director and writer that... I'm familiar with his work by name, like Almost Human, The Mind's Eye, Bliss, VFW. I, I know of all those. I haven't watched any of those. <laughs> They're all movies I've heard of and, and, and heard varying degrees of reviews on them, but I've never watched any of his movies. And now it makes me think, you know, I'm going to go back and maybe catch some of these movies because there was a lot of things I really liked about Christmas, Bloody Christmas. But he wrote and directed this movie and... This movie really revolves around a main character, Tori, uh, played by Riley Dandy, an actress I'm not 100% familiar with. A lot of these actors, I, 
I wasn't terribly familiar with. Uh, like her character, the Sam Delic character, Robbie, I, I'm not familiar with him as an actor. Although I do know he was in Spiderhead earlier this year, which I, I never did get around to watching. I'll probably have to watch it before the year's out. But there's a couple other characters uh, I do know a little more about. We'll talk about them more in depth when we get to those characters. But we're going to talk about the few main characters, uh, including Tori, who owns a secondhand record shop. Uh, they sell records and movies and things like that. Uh, very punk vibe to the whole place. A lot of glow paint and black lights illuminating everything and, you know, always listening to the coolest, hippest music. But she has an employee, Robbie, played by Sam Delic. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but they have a lot of good chemistry. That's the one thing I really liked about this movie is the chemistry between these two characters and these two actors because they have this very flirtatious relationship where he's interested in more from her but she's trying to keep things in the friend zone but there's like this sexual tension and the first part of this movie that's really what we get are these two she it's christmas eve she wants to go out and party he wants to hang with her but he's going to go out and party with her anyway and we get a lot in that first act, a lot of dialogue between these two characters. And if you don't like dialogue, if you don't like character development, you probably aren't going to like this movie, at least not the first third of the movie, because that is what you get. Now, Tori at the beginning doesn't come across terribly likable. I mean, through the first act, she doesn't really come across terribly likable for the most part, there are, there are moments she has, especially when she's having the, the t conversations with Robbie, where you just enjoy listening to these two talk about movies and music so much that, that you don't mind that she's kind of obnoxious, kind of very, I want what I want and fuck everyone else sort of punk attitude. But I really loved, as I said, the, the dialogue between these two characters because uh, some of the conversations were really relatable. And I think that's why you needed all that dialogue. You needed these conversations between Tori and Robbie because one, you needed to give Tori something that people could relate to. So they would like her a little more. You had to give time to show this relationship that has built over years in the in the world of the movie, but we've only seen for a few minutes between Tori and Robbie and this kind of friend zone sexual tension that's that's between these two. Uh, but some of the interesting conversations they had they were talking about music at the beginning and one taste over the other and she likes like original acts and he tends to lean more towards hey i i think uh van halen was great after sammy hagar took over she's very much a van halen girl he's very much a van hagar guy and and she likes the the original acts the way they were meant to be and he's okay with you know the new lead singer coming in or, or what have you which i found interesting because later on when they're talking about movies it's kind of it kind of flip-flops where he is very much a purist in he likes the original movies and she likes the some of the lesser renowned sequels to, to some of these some of these movies and it, it it was kind of funny that juxtaposition between the two how uh, one likes the originals in one regard music the other likes the originals in uh, films and and both of them like the offshoots 
uh, just kind of that flip-flopping of these two characters and their their likes was, was just, I don't know why, it was just so interesting to me. And the conversations were fun. Uh, that's one of the things that it felt maybe not quite Kevin Smith and Clerks. Uh, I heard somebody reference singles at, at one point. I thought, you know, that's that's not a bad reference to the the style of dialogue you get within the Robbie and Tori characters at the beginning of this movie. And and some there's a couple other minor characters that are, are pretty much just cannon fodder for the for the main antagonist of this movie but like i said the first act you really get a lot of character building between these two characters robbie and tori and intermittently throughout this first act you get a lot of clips of news reports talking about robotic santa claus the military had these robots that they used for war and they repurposed them to make the perfect Santa Claus, the robotic Santa Claus for your department store or mall to replace all those pesky people in costume Santa Clauses. Uh, It's just, it's a little far-fetched. The fact that they would repurpose military-grade robots to play mall Santas. It's a little, I mean, you have to have, there's got to be some suspension of disbelief. Which, you know, okay, I think it would have worked a little more or a little better if they would have just cut out the military aspect. And this company developed these robotic Santas uh, to replace mall Santas. And maybe somewhere along the way you find out that they were secretly developing these robots for the military as well. Kind of do it that route. So it's not just so overtly, uh, this is a robot war machine that they dressed in a Santa suit and he's obviously going to go crazy and go back to his militaristic kill them all let God sort them out ways. And we find when Tori and Robbie go to their friends, Jay and Lana's, uh, one of them, both of them work at this store. They have one of these robotic Santas that they, you know, all of a sudden he starts ho-ho-hoing and Merry Christmas. And and you get a little line of dialogue, a little exposition that uh, he's been doing that a lot lately, going on, on the fritz or something like that. And we get news reports throughout saying that there's been a recall on these these Santa robots. And of course, the robot comes to life and goes on a killing spree. That is that's the whole premise of this movie, is this this robot comes to life. I, I don't like the fact that they never really give a reason why, other than just saying that there was a recall on them. And I don't need everything explained for me, but I would have liked something, some little piece of connective tissue, something that happens that we can see where the switch is flipped and that this robot goes from benign store Santa to killer maniac Santa. And it also would have been nice to have some scenes where this Santa Claus is acting the way it's supposed to act, uh, being kind to kids and and being a store Santa. You never really get anything establishing this as anything other than just a malfunctioning robot that's going to go on a killing spree. But the Santa comes to life as Tori and Robbie are leaving, ends up killing Jay and Lana, uh, kind of stalks Lana around the store. They, they could have done it a little. It just really wasn't that scary. Uh, it, it was more felt more like a Terminator sci-fi thing than an actual scary chase throughout the store. Uh, but he dispatches of them and then kind of looks outside and sees uh, Robbie and Tori 
walking away. And that's how he kind of becomes fixated on Tori, which also didn't make a terrible amount of sense that this robot became fixated on uh, Tori or Robbie and Tori, and then eventually Tori, as we'll, we'll talk about. But Robbie and Tori go to a bar to have some drinks after they, they leave Jay and Lana, and that's where we meet another character, Sheriff Monroe, played by Jeff Daniel Phillips, who is, you know, you probably don't know the name, but you've known him. He's been in tons of stuff. A lot of Rob Zombie things. He's been in Halloween 2, Lords of Salem, Three from Hell. He was in the new Monsters movie that Rob Zombie did, as well as uh, many other movies. Uh, he's done a lot of TV, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was in Westworld, stuff like that. So so the guy is one of those people. He's, he's one of those that guys. You've known him. You've seen him places. But we meet him, and, you know, he's kind of a typical stand-up town sheriff. Likes Tori, is looking out for her. Doesn't think too much of Robbie, although Robbie really comes across as kind of a nice guy in this. Uh, so uh, probably got into some trouble, but really a, a decent guy. But we we meet him. We're introduced to him there. And Tori and Robbie go back to Tori's place where we hear about this sister of hers and her husband that are they're spending the night uh, that we don't really know too much about. And we never met this character, the sister, but Robbie and Tori are hanging out. And this is really where the movie kind of launches off as a slasher. I mean, we get the initial Jay and Lana killing uh, but this is where we find out that this robot Santa is stalking Tori and Robbie or, or maybe just Tori. It's never really quite clear as to why it's following them. But we get uh, <laughs> this. Uh, probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when the robot Santa goes next door and kills the family over there. And there's a scene where he kills a little kid. You don't see it. I mean, you see the the axe swing down, but you never see the actual kill hit. But that scene, I was like, oh my God, they, they went there with this. It may be a little much for people because, yeah, a lot of people don't like seeing kids or animals hurt in movies, and, and neither do I. But at this point in this movie, I, I really think you kind of needed that to show you that all bets were off and that this was a killing machine that had no care nor concern for the age of whoever its target is. Tori kind of sees it through the window, wakes up the house, and that's when you meet her sister and her sister's husband, who is uh, probably the biggest boob. They're trying to be quiet, and he's like talking loud, and what's going on? And it's just a very annoying character. And as soon as you were introduced to, the, I mean, we're like halfway through the movie now, and we're introduced to these characters, like they're both going to die, <laughs> and and very soon. And yeah, certainly, uh, sure enough, uh, both those characters, the sister and the brother-in-law, they were killed to give time for Robbie and Tori to get out. The thing that really I, I was quite shocked by is the fact that they they killed off Robbie next in this movie. Is I thought it was going to be one of those situations where he makes it to the end with Tori and then maybe dies there, but but maybe not. And they, they live happy, happily ever after. And I think it's at this point when Robbie is dispatched by the, the robot Santa. I think that's where you really start to uh, empathize with the Tori character. And you really start to, not that you weren't rooting for her before, but this is where it all becomes about her 
versus this this robot monster and i think this is really the the point the turning point where you start caring about this character more and you start uh, rooting for this character more i think poor before that i was almost rooting for robbie because he's the you know he's the guy in the friend zone that uh is not a bad guy he's actually kind of a nice guy and you want him to get the girl and you spend most of your time rooting for him and I think this is, the, like I said, this is the turning point where he's no longer in the picture and now you're rooting for her to, to just survive this. But it's the where things go next, uh, we get back to the, the police barracks and Sheriff Monroe and this other officer, Officer, officer Smith, I believe, played by Jeremy Gardner. <laughs> I gotta say... It look none of the cops in this look like even small town cops don't look this disheveled. I mean, it looked like they slapped a badge on David Crosby from Crosby Stills and Nash and Young and and made him a deputy sheriff's deputy. He just had the long, scraggly, practically bald on top hair, the big uh, Wilford Brimley mustache and and the biggest asshole. I'm not not that's not a commentary on the actor. He did a fantastic job with this, but the character was just the biggest asshole towards Tory. And it took uh, Sheriff Monroe, you know, intervening and stepping in to to make him back off. And it was just a a character that like the first character you really wanted to see die when this uh, Officer Smith. Uh, was kind of introduced into the story. But to get an attack on the precinct, which I'll kind of talk about some of the... Some of the comparisons to another movie that I've already kind of alluded to earlier. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up. But Tori escapes and, and ultimately ends up back at her record store with this with this robot that has slowly had pieces of its skin peeled away. And you get half man face, half robot face. Uh, you get the arm that he tore off to get out from under something. And it really ends up at the, the record store. And it's actually quite a fun showdown. Like how, how is she going to uh, take on this, this unstoppable machine? And you get, uh, you know, it's like something happens and it doesn't completely work. So she does something else and nothing happens terribly easy. She had to, to had to try a couple things to try and get rid of this, this thing. And I thought it was quite a fun climax to watch this battle between this girl and this robot. And there you have Tori kind of left standing as the, the final girl, as you do in most, you know, 80s, well, most slasher movies in general. I mean, the 80s, uh, pretty much, you know, late 70s, 80s kind of came up with the archetype as the, of the final girl. And it has been used ad nauseum uh, since then through the 90s, 2000s, 2010s. It's become kind of the prototype for the slasher movie anymore. But that really is what this movie is. Kind of a a love letter to that era of horror movie, that era of slasher films. And we'll kind of discuss that a little later as well. But ultimately, I, I kind of dug this. Uh, there was a lot of things that made me not want to like it any more than I did. But ultimately, when it's all said and done at the end of the day, I did really like this movie. I think probably some of the things I didn't like about it. We'll kind of go over that first, and then we'll talk about the things I really did like. Uh, I, I hated the fact that this felt like a, well, one, it was another Killer Santa movie. 
And it's like, Jesus Christ, how many Killer Santa movies are we going to get? Uh, you know, it was fine when it started out with Silent Night, Deadly Night. Or the crazy old man dressed as Santa in that Joan Collins bit on Tales from the Crypt, the movie. But then it just escalated and escalated. Santa's the bad guy. Santa, Killer Santa's. Killer Santa's. Uh, that's, that's, we got, we just got, we gotten too much of that, I think, in movie. I, I wish somebody would come up with something different to make a Christmas horror movie horrific without uh, not not I mean, I'm not a, let's not besmirch the good name of St. Nicholas but I just I, I'm 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 done with the killer Santa Claus you know how many fucking movies do I have to watch with a Santa Claus walking around carrying a GD axe it's just a little too much now granted like I said this movie did feel like an homage to a lot of those great horror movies from the 80s so if that is an homage to that okay but you know i i still i'm a, I'm a little i'm done i'm over the the killer santa claus thing uh, it's not to say i won't watch another killer santa claus movie it comes out uh, next christmas but i i don't want to but killer santa claus stuff aside this movie really did feel like a ripoff of Terminator. I mean, Jesus Christ, there were some scenes that felt like they were direct ripoffs of Terminator. The attack on the jail felt very, well, it didn't play out like Terminator. It felt very much like, you know, the attack on the, the police precinct in the original Terminator movie. The scene at the end of the movie where in the record store and Tori is crawling along the floor trying to get away from the the robot. And the robot is, uh, he's damaged and his face is practically all robot now. And he's crawling along behind her. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is exactly from terminator uh the only <laughs> and they even had uh the robots squished by something maybe not as damaging as the something falling on the terminator in the movie terminator but like a shelf topples over on him and i'm like god damn could you have ripped this off any more literally the answer to that is not much and just the look of the robot santa when uh, when half of his endoskeleton is showing and the other half is the Santa Claus face and, and costume. It just, it felt very much like a, like I said, a ripoff of Terminator. Now, I, I, I can forgive that a little bit. Yeah, if you're, if you're going out of your way to make this an homage to Terminator, and I don't know, I've never, I haven't watched any interviews with Joe Bagos to see what his uh, mindset was in, in all of this, but if you're doing this as a direct homage to Terminator, that's one thing, still doesn't forgive it. You, you still got to do something original. You still got to, you got to do things. You can't practically rip off scenes from the movie and, and call it an homage. There are ways to pay subtle homage to things and not have it look exactly like the scene from the movie you're, you're apparently trying to play tribute to. 
So those are really the two biggest things, the biggest problems I had with this movie. Now, the things I liked about this movie, I didn't mind the story. If you're going to do a Killer Santa Claus movie, I like the fact that it wasn't just some guy that went crazy in a suit. Killer Robot, as far-fetched as the whole build-up of the premise about this military-grade robot that they repurposed to be a mall Santa, uh, as ridiculous as that is, at least it is a quasi-original idea i'm guessing terminator and westworld meets silent night deadly night and christmas evil at least that's a little that's quasi different so enjoyed that aspect of it i really liked the story and the flow of the movie i thought it really kept moving after after you get through that first act where it is a lot of dialogue which like i said i didn't mind the dialogue and we'll get to that in a in a second but after the action starts, it keeps going. There's not a lot of downtime after that first act. And it picked up the pace. And I, I thought the pace of the movie after that was kind of like full speed ahead. So I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and, I, and I liked where the story went. It, it went to a lot of different places. It wasn't just stuck and stagnant in one location. So that was, that was interesting. I really liked the cast. I thought everybody in this cast, for not knowing... Half of the cast, uh, half of the main cast at the very least, I really enjoyed the performances. I liked Riley Dandy as Tori. I liked Sam Delic. Delic or Delich? I'm not 100% sure. I, I apologize, but I liked him as Robbie. Jeff Daniel Phillips was great as Sheriff Monroe. He kind of played that, he kind of played that small town sheriff like you saw in some of those early Halloween movies. And an actor I didn't really talk too much about because you didn't get too much of a vocal performance, but Abraham Ben Ruby played the Santa. And if you don't know the name, you probably know him from so much he's done in film and television. I was probably first aware of him as Kubiak in Parker Lewis Can't Lose in the early 90s. But he's done so many things in, in TV, Married with Children. He's done the X-Files, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's lended his voice to American Dad, Robot Chicken. He was in Once Upon a Time. Tons of TV work. But he's also been in tons of movies as well. And it been in uh, Jeff Bagos movies as well. You know, I think he was in Bliss, if I'm not mistaken. But he plays the robot. And I, I thought he did a good job. There were, I mean, some of it was very much uh, your standard, I'm playing a robot, so I'm going to make robotic herky-jerky motions, which I, I didn't mind that. It, it really lent itself to the, the whole experience of the movie. This is kind of a low-budget indie movie, and it kind of felt like that. But but all in all, I just I enjoyed his performance as the as the robot. I thought he did a good job with the the physical aspects. I mean I see you see him most. I mean he's a big guy, but you usually see him and he's acting. I mean he's he does it does well as an actor, but to see such a physical performance where where all of his acting is in his movements and the turn of head and things like that was was really fun to watch. Although there was one scene early on where he's stepping up onto something and you could see him kind of struggle a little bit and i'm like oh you can tell that's not a robot but uh he's a he's a few years older than i am and i know i've got creaky knees so i i feel 
I feel for Abraham Ben Ruby uh, because uh, I'm sure he's got some creaky knees too. And I would have had struggles getting up on that platform as well. But like I said, really enjoyed the cast. Even some of the B and C characters that you get throughout this uh, were all enjoyable to watch. I, you know, they, none of them, the performances never took me out of the movie. So that that's a triumph in and of itself, especially with a lower budget movie is secondary and tertiary characters that are so bad that they take you out of the movie. This didn't have any of that. So I really enjoyed that. And the look of this movie, from what I understand, Joe Bagos has a particular style. And from what I've heard, this is very much indicative of his style. But I really loved the play on color, the, the cinematography on this. Uh, there were actually some very beautifully lit scenes. Uh, they played a lot on the greens and reds, uh, especially in the the Santa, you had the red Santa suit. And at some point uh, when this robot Santa is damaged, this green light emanates from his eyes and its jaw. And just those images are very striking. They played a lot off the red and green lighting. Uh, like I said, very striking in the record store and the store that the Santa is in. Uh, the lights, it just very much the lighting was a lot of uh, black light on a lot of neon and just a lot of very striking imagery that uh, looked very beautiful. Even even the outdoor scenes, everything was lit very well. Uh, this all happens at night and it was just a very visually stimulating movie to watch. Not to mention the outside looked very real, very natural and was, uh, like I said, just a, a great movie to watch visually. Uh, not to mention, you know, the, the great performances I, I thought they gave, the actors gave. And and the special effects, I thought, were pretty damn good. For, I don't know what the budget was on this. But this, from what I understand, is a lower budget movie. Uh, but the special effects, I thought, were pretty good. A lot of the kills, you know, they, they did a lot of practical with skulls being crushed. You didn't get a ton of, like, CG blood or anything like that that I remember from watching this a few days ago. They spent a little budget on some pyrotechnics. I thought they had they had some explosions. It felt the movie felt bigger, a bigger budget movie than it really was. I'm sure. Uh, although there was explosion uh, where the robot Santa is driving this ambulance toward the police precinct, and there's a car. And the car explodes, but you see the car split perfectly in half and come apart. I was like, oh, that's a, a little special effects trickery. But uh, but it still worked. It was still an amazing uh, sight to see, this big explosion in the middle of what's supposed to be a, a low-budget movie, which, you know, you usually don't get a lot of stuff like that in lower-budget movies. At least stuff like that that they did as well as they did. And the design on the... Uh, the robot, the the inner workings of this robot. It, yeah, it was very much reminded you of Terminator. Uh, that was inevitable. But uh, but I thought they did a, did a good job with the the practical effects in in creating this robot. There were some where they used a, a little bit of puppetry, um, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, I I didn't mind it. Uh, you know, uh, certainly there are some scenes where it's like, oh, you can tell that's a puppet. But I, I don't know. It was still fun to watch. It was a, still a fun ride. Now, there's one thing I, I didn't mention during the things I didn't like. And it, it's kind of implied with the Terminator thing. The soundtrack uh, of this. While the, the soundtrack, when they played actual 
Christmas music was kind of fun, but the score to this, uh, sometimes the score to this felt almost like a direct ripoff from the score for Terminator. Uh, just a lot of drums and, and synthesizer in the background. It just felt very much like the score to Terminator and the, that theme song to Terminator. And it felt kind of like it was ripping off that as well. But ultimately, the score aside... Uh, I liked some of the needle drops that they had in this. Those were some fun additions to the the whole experience and the whole vibe that this this movie and these characters, especially the Tory character and the Robbie character, are given off. Uh, so the music in the movie was a little bittersweet. Like I said, I didn't like the score because it felt like it was ripping off Terminator. But like I said, some of the needle drops were quite fun and appropriate to the scene. So all in all, I wanted to like it when I went into it. And then I started watching it. And then I was like, oh, no, I don't I don't think I want to like this. But at the end of the day, I ultimately ended up liking this movie a lot more than I thought I would after the first, you know, 10 minutes of the film. Uh, it really just, like I said, it was visually stimulating. The acting was was quite good. I, I enjoyed that. The story was good enough that uh, it, it kept me engaged and wondering how this is going to play out. And, and watching it play out was fun, even though a lot of it did feel like it was ripping off Terminator. I don't know if this is going to be in my arsenal of Christmas movies that I watch every year, but I'm glad I watched it this year. And I encourage you, if you haven't watched Christmas Bloody Christmas, I think you should go check it out. Because I think if you like horror, if you like sci-fi, Jesus Christ, this is practically a Terminator film. Uh, which kind of lent itself to science fiction. Kind of blurred the line between science fiction and horror. Uh, there were definitely some horror elements to, to Terminator. Uh, even though it is was more of a sci-fi movie. This felt like a slasher movie, but with tinges of Terminator sci-fi-ness to it. So if you like that sort of thing, I encourage you to check out Christmas Bloody Christmas. Like I said, beware, there's going to be a lot of dialogue at the beginning, but I think it's needed dialogue to get to know and get to like these characters. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Christmas Bloody Christmas. Check it out on Shudder right now. I want to thank everyone for listening and check out more of what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page. You'll find out uh, all that's going on in horror fantasy and science fiction. We always try to share articles from all over the internet. I like to add my two cents. We share trailers and the events coming up. We've got different shows coming up. This Thursday, I can't say for certain what our episode is going to be. I've got a couple uh, couple of options. I'm not quite sure where I want to go with this yet. But coming up on Monday the 19th is going to be our Christmas special. Uh, you know, Last year, we talked about my favorite movies to watch during the holiday season. Horror, fantasy, science fiction. Uh, we've got a new batch of movies that I think are must-sees for this time of year. So we're going to talk about that. Some old, some newer, but that's going to be fun. So we're going to talk about that. Some of my Christmas favorites to watch on uh, horror, fantasy, and science fiction on Monday the 19th. We're going to have that Christmas special coming up. So be listening for that. So I want to thank you for tuning in again. Please, no matter where you're listening to this podcast, follow it, subscribe to it, like it, all that jazz. Uh, share it with your friends, family, neighbors, granny, who, you know, she's an old Twilight Zone fan from back in the day. She likes her horror and her sci-fi and her fantasy. Share it with her. Share it with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. And please, whatever you do, leave a review. Five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that. So until next time. 
Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!